mercy, O God. May none of us leave the same. We pray that you draw us nearer to thee through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And the saints said a big amen. Hallelujah to Jesus. So today we're going to conclude with our message on how to be close to God. How to be close to God. How do you become close to God? We talked about it. The first way to be close to God is to be a worshipper of God. To be a worshipper of God. Hallelujah. And we talked about the fact that worship, you can pray amiss, but you cannot worship God amiss. Worship is the highest form of prayer. God loved David so much because of David's love for him. God loves everyone. God loves every Christian. God, actually, God loves the whole world. God loves the worst of sinners. Amen. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God is trying to reconcile us to himself through Jesus Christ. So God loves everyone. But David had a special place in God's heart. David was so special to God because of David's love for God. David loved God, God so much that he drew close to God. How do you become close to God? By being a worshipper of God. Now, someone who is a worshipper of God is someone who loves God. Someone who is a worshipper of God is someone who places great worth in God. I want to encourage you to place great worth in God. Because the greater the worth you place in God, the closer you will be to Him. Hallelujah. It's just like any important person. When you despise an important person, you are far from them. In the same way, when you despise God by what he defines as despising him, you don't get close to him. But when you honor God, he honors you. When you honor God and you honor his word, you get close to him. Now, how do you place great worth on God? By placing great worth on his word and by just placing great worth on his name, his attributes, who he is. Hallelujah. And we talked about the fact that you can only worship God in spirit and in truth. How do you worship God in spirit and in truth? You worship God in spirit and in truth when you know who he is. Hallelujah. You first need to know who God is. Then you, you know who you are worshiping. Hallelujah. And we read from John chapter 4. Let's look at John chapter 4. Let's start from verse 21. Hallelujah. John chapter 4. From verse 21, Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh, when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. Or you, do, you, you worship the, look at it in NLT, you are worshiping who you don't know. You don't even know who you are worshiping. But we know who we are worshiping because salvation is of the Jews. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. Leave it at NLT, verse 23. Salvation comes through the Jews. But a time is coming, and it's already here, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. Wow, verse 24. For God is a spirit, so those who worship him must Worship in spirit and in truth. Now let's look at Mark chapter 12. Let's look at Mark chapter 12. I think from verse 38. 
Mark chapter 12. Yes. Um, Mark chapter 12. Let me just get that from verse 38. Oh, hallelujah. Let's look at Mark 12 from verse yes, 30. I think it's from verse 30. Are we ready? Is that correct? Let me make sure from verse 30. Yes, from verse 30. Let's start from 28. Oh, yeah, I was looking at the wrong part. Verse Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, is, is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Look at it in ESV. Jesus answered, the most important is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's actually how it is. It's the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Not three separate gods but one God in three distinct persons. Father, God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. They are co-equal and they've always existed. There was not ever one that existed without the other. So God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. Yet the three are God, but it's not three separate gods, but one God. Oh, wow, this is so confusing. That's why he is God. Hallelujah. Throughout all eternity, we'll still not know him fully. We'll still be learning different attributes about him. He's infinite. Hallelujah. So Mark 12, 29 says, Jesus answered. So think about it. The first commandment is in two parts. And this is linked to John chapter 4. The first commandment is in two parts. What is the first part? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Number two, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, sorry, with all your heart, with, and with all your soul, and with all your, your mind, and with all your strength. Let me repeat that again. And thou shalt, and you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. And with all your strength. So think about it. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Similar to love God with all your heart, all your mind, or soul. Actually, loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. What does verse 31 say? The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. 32. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. Verse 33. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. We'll touch on this in, in another verse later on. So you will see that Jesus said that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
Now, how do you worship God in truth? You must first know that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. For us to worship God, we must, you can't love, you can't worship someone you don't love. True worship, you must love him. You just go back to John chapter 4, verse uh, 34 area. Hallelujah. So, so, so to really love God, you must worship him. Other people worship things they fear, false gods, idols, and they are afraid of them. But true worship is when you love the person. Now, you can only love God when you know him. How can you say, I love God when you don't know him? How can you, how, how can you love him? And this is one of his attributes. He is one God in three persons. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. So, we are, there's only one God and there are no other gods besides him. And that God, that only God, is the one we must love. Love, so, so, so the Lord, Yahweh Elohim, the, the Lord, Yahweh is one. Meaning that there is no other God besides Yahweh. There's no other God besides him. And this God is the one we are to love. So it means that when you say God, it's only one God. There's no other God besides him. And we are to love him. So worship God, verse 24, to worship God in spirit and in truth. It means that you and I, to, to, for God to really see that look, we are worshiping him, we must make sure we know him. We must make sure we read his word. We must make sure we know his attributes. How can you say, oh God, I love you so much. Oh, I worship you when you've not known the things he's done. How can you say, I love you so much. You are so wonderful when you don't know some of his attributes. When the Bible says that God showed his goodness passed before Moses. When Moses said, show me your glory, then God's goodness passed before Moses. What was his goodness? Oh, God started to proclaim the name of the Lord. So part of his so his goodness, you, you find it in his attributes. His glory is in his attributes. So so when he, he showed Moses his glory, the Lord long suffering, full of mercy and grace, long suffering. So the more you read about God, the more you know God, the more you will be in awe of Him, and the more you worship Him. When you when, when you read Genesis one, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And you understand the billions and trillions of, of, of galaxies in the universe. And, 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 and I mean, the solar systems, which a uh, galaxy is a collection of solar systems. And then the solar systems collection, uh, yeah, and then there are many galaxies in the universe. And the universe is expanding. Before science found out, many of the scientific laws are all in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the, the, the books of Moses. Even about law, they took the law, the laws of the, of the world, from the Bible, the commandments. Also, even things like, like, like hygiene, quarantine, it was all in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we read it. So, so when you read about it, you say, God, you are so awesome. Truly, you are God indeed. Because many years ago, 4,000, 3,000, many years ago, you talked about the things that science is now finding out. In the past, science said, said, science said that the world was flat. Because as you are in a ship and you keep going, you don't see any circle. So, so science was confident that the world was flat. But the Bible, now they discovered that the world is round, like a circle. And the Bible talks about the circle of the earth. I mean, what a book. It talks about the circle of the earth, that the, the earth is round. 
Even some of the laws of physics about explore, uh, 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 expanding universe. The Bible says God who stretches the heavens like a curtain. I mean, so many. So when you see all these things, you, you just worship him. You just honor him. You just give him worship. You give him praise. Because wow, what a great God you are. Then you say to yourself, oh, what is man? Look, look at we. Look at us. The Bible says God knows our frailty. He knows our frame and knows that we are but dust. So you ask yourself, ah, what is such a big God? Who said, let there be, and it existed? How can he be so interested in dust? Then, then you, 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 you'll be able to worship him in a deep and intimate way. And that is what David did. David worshipped God, and because of that, God was close to David. Hallelujah. Number two, the ability to wait on the Lord. You and I must learn how to wait upon the Lord. How to depend upon the Lord. It is very, very important. We must learn Psalm 40 verse 1. You and I must learn it. Psalm 40 verse 1. We, it, it must be something you and I learn. It, it, it must be something we desire to do and we aspire to do. Psalm 40 verse 1. Many people are saying, oh God, you are not hearing my prayer. Shanda, baba, kanda, da, da, da. And then they, they are doing also short put, doing javelin, all the different styles of prayer. But still, some of the results are not coming. Why? Because they did not wait patiently for the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 40 verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined, inclined unto me and heard my cry. So God is in heaven and then you speak to him or we speak to him as we speak to him we are waiting for him to act we are waiting in his presence lord i've asked you for this i'm waiting you have to answer me lord this is your word says this i'm trusting you and then you are waiting patiently in his presence and you are waiting for him to act and then the bible says and he inclined unto me so now let me pay attention to what he's saying now let me listen to what he's saying and let me hear his cry. Look at it in the NLT or her cry. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me. He, his attention came unto me and heard my cry. That's because of waiting patiently on the Lord. Isaiah 40 verse 27 to 31. Those who wait patiently on the Lord, those who wait or hope in the Lord, I said those who wait or hope in the Lord, who know that their source comes from the Lord. The Bible says, Oh Israel, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? Why are you saying that? Continue. Have you never heard or understood? God is telling you and I. Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth and the universe? He never grows faint or weary. So you can imagine what it took to let Jesus come to the earth to be tired. God to come to the earth to be fully God, yet fully man. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. It's not possible to measure it. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. 
He offers strength to the weak. This is the answer for those who are always tired. This is the answer for those who are weak and are tired and wanting to give up. If you are tired and want to give up, or you are just worn out, you don't have energy, then the one who gives power, glory to God, the one who gives power to those who are tired and weak and worn out, is the Lord. Verse 30. Even youths will become exhausted. Oh yes. Even youngsters, even youths will become exhausted. And young men will give up. Oh, glory. But those who wait on the Lord, or who hope on the Lord, who wait upon the Lord, will find new strength because their strength will be renewed. Oh, glory to God. They will fly high on wings like eagles. So they will, they will soar so high that it will be like they are soaring like eagles because eagles are the ones who the, the preachers which saw the highest, and you and I will saw. They will run and not grow weary, whilst the youths are weary. They will walk and not faint. This, this is what happens. So you ask yourself, why do people, pastors and some Christians, get, uh, 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 get burnt out or, 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 or just lose interest and just become worn out in their Christian walk? The answer is staring right at you and I in the face. In the face, Isaiah 40, verse 27 to 31. Because they are not waiting on the Lord. Because they are not spending time to pray. They are not spending time to read the word of God. They are not spending time to, to feed themselves. How can you not? I mean, you and I will be surely tired if we are not eating. Wait, I mean, anyone who is hungry... And hasn't eaten for some time will be tired. Anyone who is hungry and starving will be tired, will be miserable. First Peter 2 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Glory to God. There you go. So how do you and I feed our spirits so that we'll be strong? Because the Bible says, even though our outward man perisheth, the inward man is being renewed day by day. So bodily exercise profits you, but a little. But spiritual exercise and strength profits us much more. Much more. Much more. So I want to encourage us to wait upon the Lord. If you wait on the Lord, don't, don't always expect that, okay, I'll hear. I mean, it's good to expect that, oh, I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to have goosebumps. I'm, go I'm going to have some his presence. It's fantastic, and it's important to always wish for that. I always wish for that, but it doesn't mean you get it all the time. When you don't get it, don't let it discourage you. Let's continue. Because the just shall live by the feeling of the, 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 the feeling God's the feeling of God's presence. For we walk by the feeling of God's presence and not by sight. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the just shall live by his faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight or what we feel. So it's important to go to the Lord. God, I want to feel your presence. I want a touch from you. I want your presence. I want to be close to you. You go, nothing happens. No problem. I'm back. I'm back. No problem. I am back. 
Because I'm waiting upon the Lord and depending upon Him. Psalm 65 verse 4 and then James chapter 4 verse 8. Blessed or blessed is the man whom thou, O God, choosest to cause and causest to approach unto thee. That he may dwell in thy courts, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even thy holy temple. So the person who God is referring to here is someone who is dwelling in the house of God. Or better than yes. So dwelling in the house of God where the courts of God are is. And that person is going to be satisfied in God's house. So that person is in God's court. Now what, what does it mean to dwell in God's courts? It means you're always talking to him and he's talking to you. Because that's where you enter into his gates with court, thanksgiving and his court with praise. So you are in his presence. So the person who is always dwelling in his court is someone who is always thanking God, praising God and speaking to God and in prayer. That person will be satisfied with the goodness of the house of God, even of the holy temple. So it means that the person we are talking about is the person who is blessed. Now, who is the blessed one God is talking about? The person who God has chosen and has drawn that person to himself. Blessed, look at NLT. So the one who God has chosen and has caused to approach, glory to God unto him. What joy for those you choose to bring near, those who live in your holy courts. What joy awaits us inside your holy temple? ESV. And then we'll go to James 4.8. ESV. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. That's why I said that. The one who God has chosen and God says, I want you to approach him to me, near unto me. I want you to be near me. I want you to be close to me. That person, God is going to do that by drawing them close to his courts. Oh Lord, I want to pray. It means you feel like praying. You want to pray. You want to speak to the Lord. You want to hear his voice. You, you want to praise him. You, 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 you want to speak to him. You want to bless his name. You want to ask him for what you're looking for. Because we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his court with praise. This is a person who is always in praise. A person who is always speaking to God. A person who is fixed and dwells in the courts. Oh, glory to God of the Lord. Hallelujah to Jesus. James 4, 8. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We've said a lot about this, but this one, God wants us to draw near to him, and then he'll draw near to us. But God usually would give us the desire and the heart to approach him, to draw near to him in his courts. So God will give us the desire to pray. Oh, I want to pray God. I, I want to know God more. Yeah, I want to be close to God. I, 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 want, I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more. That's God drawing you near. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Oh, I want to read my Bible. I, so you need to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit to give you the, the, the power to do what God wants you to do. 
Because you and I, we need the Holy Spirit. He's our paraclete. He's, he's here. He's our ever oh, glory to God. He's our ever-present help in our time of need. He is our helper. He's our comforter. He's our counselor. Counselor. He's our advocate. So, oh, God is telling David, God, God has put it in David's heart to read the Bible more, to pray to him more, to seek his face more, to praise him more, to worship him more. Now, it is up to me to heed to that call, to draw near to him. Who glory to God. Did you get that? No. So, because the desire is there, now I have to make use of the desire and start to pray. Start to read the Bible. If I'm slacking there, I need to pray, God, I need your help. It's an emergency. Please help me. I need your Holy Spirit. Help me because I want to do it. I am willing to do it, but it is hard for me to do it. So, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. I need your help. And then you would therefore draw near to God as who glory, as you draw near to God, then he will draw near to you. Hallelujah. And it will be easier for you and I if our hands are clean. And clean hands, I think we've talked about it, clean hands are people who speak evil, who hurt people, who try to destroy lives, who, 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 who don't do well. For it, it has to do with your relationship with people and, 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 and your hands are not clean. Your hands are not clean. You, 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 you are hypocritical. You backbite. You slander. You lie against. You bear false witness. Your hands are not clean. You sinners. And of course, the other sins, fornication, adultery, murder, uh, 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 lies, all of that goes on. Hallelujah. Very important. We've talked about this so many times. Number three, you and I need to serve God in his house. We need to serve God. David the king is the example. He was a shepherd of God, shepherd of Israel. Israel. Number four, the final, you and I must be very quick to repent. Quick to repent. Quick to repent. Quick to repent. We read the story of David and Bathsheba. The Bible says that David... He was when the kings when the kings should have been in war he was at home and looking his house was the highest he saw a lady beautiful stunningly beautiful i want this woman so he sent for her who are you I, you are in uriah's house yes i am his wife i like you i want to be with you oh my, my husband is sending you he's gone to war I, I, I like you. You sit down, drink, drink, let's drink some tea, and then after that we'll have some wine. And then he slept with her. Then he started to sleep with her, and then she got pregnant. Then he sent for Uriah. And when Uriah came, David wanted him to sleep with his wife so that it would conceal the sin. Because if he sleeps with his wife, they didn't have ultrasound in those days. So if you sleep with a, he sleeps with a wife, most likely... It will be found, I mean, uh, uh, it will be his child. He will think it's his child. Hallelujah. But Uriah said, no, I'm too faithful to God, and I'm too faithful to you, O king. I'm not going to do such a thing. I'm going to, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm not entering my house. So David got him drunk and realized that this man was too loyal. So David sent him with a letter to Joab, his chief uh, commander. 
our commanding officer sent a letter to Joab and Uriah was so loyal that he didn't read it. Now the letter said, Joab, send Uriah, I want Uriah to die. So send Uriah to the front of the, the, the battle where it is hot, where the battle is heated. And when the, the, the enemy starts to come, then retreat, everyone retreats so that they'll capture him and kill him. So that was, that, that was murder. So God sent Nathan the prophet to David. And Nathan went to David and told him a story that there was a man who was young, poor, I mean, man who was poor, he just had, he bought a nice lamb and looked after it, fed it, bathed it, looked after it, spent money on it, and then kept it with him. Then there was a rich man who had many, many, many lambs, many of them. He could eat anytime he wanted. And he had a visitor. And the visitor wanted to eat. So instead of him taking one of the lambs, so anyway, I'm, I'm sure we, can, we cannot figure out what the visitor is. The visitor is the edge to have sleep with someone. So the visitor came, the edge, you could have taken one of your wives, God said. Why do you have to take someone's wife? So he, 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 instead of killing one of his lambs, he went to the neighbor, this rich person went to his neighbor who had only one and killed it and served it for the visitor. Then the Bible says that David's anger was king. This is all in 2 Samuel 12, 1 to 26. We're not going to read that. And the Bible, we read it last week. The Bible says that David's anger was kindled, very angry, and said that this man must die and he must restore all that he's taken. Then Nathan said, You are that man. And David fell down and said, Oh God, I have sinned against you, and only you have I sinned. Only you have sinned against. I've sinned against you. David was quick to repent. But Saul, oh, started making excuses. No, but everything was bad. That's where we, the, the verse that says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. It's a, 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 something the prophet Samuel was telling Saul, King Saul, because he was being stubborn and not repenting. If you had quickly repented, now think about it. What was Saul's? God said, don't spare anything. They are all defiled. Don't spare anything from the land of the Amalekites. Don't spare any of them from the enemy land. He won, he won the war, brought the sheep, brought the king. And he was not supposed to sacrifice. It was, it was someone who was supposed to sacrifice. But the pressure of the people... That's why people can easily cause you to lose your reward if you, 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 you focus on what people do to you. That's why Moses missed the promised land because of people. So, Samuel, sorry, so, so the king Saul started to sacrifice. Then the prophet Samuel came and said, Saul, Saul, what am I hearing? You didn't obey God. He said, I have obeyed God. You are not supposed to, you are supposed to leave no one. And someone said, have that, yeah, maybe go to verse 19. And someone said, ah, you are supposed to wipe out everyone. Why didn't you wipe them out? You can do it where it starts, maybe 17. Why didn't you wipe everyone out? Why did you do that? Why didn't you wipe the people out? That's what someone was telling Saul. Then he said, then why didn't you, why have you disobeyed God? Why am I hearing the sacrifice. He said, no, 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 no. I've obeyed God. Then Samuel said, ah, 
If you have obeyed God, why am I hearing the the bleating, the, the noise of goats? Why am I hearing that noise? Why, why am I hearing it? And then King Saul said, oh, it's because of the people. They were impatient. And because of that, I had to sacrifice. Then God said, so yes, you are sacrificing. Yes, you, you've won the war and you've sacrificed a great deal. But you disobeyed God. You didn't do what he told you to do. And you are not supposed to sacrifice. You've sacrificed. And yet Samuel, King Saul was arguing it out and explaining himself. Then the prophet Samuel said, now you can get to that verse, I guess. To obey is better than to sacrifice. And to hearken than the fat of rams. Meaning that it is better to obey God than to sacrifice. Hallelujah. It is better to obey God than to sacrifice to him. And Samuel said, had the Lord, 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, had the Lord as great delight. Anyway, later on, if you want to know the whole story of what I read, you can start from 1 Samuel 15, 1, all the way to 22, to tell you all the, the, everything I've just said. And Samuel said, had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So David, in the other hand, he disobeyed God, quickly repented. But someone was arguing, uh, let, let's go to verse 6, 17. It's nice to, yeah, let's go to 17. But later on, read the whole thing. And someone said, when thou was little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? He was talking to King Saul. And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Verse 18. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? Continue. And Saul said unto Samuel, later on when you read the earlier versions, you, you, you talk about the sheep also. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. So, there's a difference between Saul and, and, and David. Sorry, yeah, King Saul and David. David said, oh, I have sinned against God immediately. He was a king. He could say what he wanted. But look at Saul. And King Saul, Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord had sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But that's not what God said. God said, consume them all. But the people took up the spoil. Sheep and oxen. Meanwhile, you were not supposed to do that. The chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. So, so Samuel sacrificed, but it was not his place to sacrifice. And he sacrificed with sheep and oxen that were supposed to have been destroyed. And someone said, Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So people, Samuel wanted to just take Hagar, the king, which was an offense against God. But the people flew upon the spoil and took them. And Samuel said, Have the Lord as great delight in the burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. I want to specify it. Let me repeat that again. 
as in obeying the voice of the Lord. So you and I might think we are sacrificing. You and I might think we are doing, I mean, doing great things for God. But the question is, are we obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Continue. For rebellion. So it means that he committed rebellion against the Lord. Is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity, is as iniquity and idolatry. That's what he did. Because, so he's explained, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected it. So because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So it was at this point that he was rejected by God. So it's very important when you, you know that, when you have a strong conviction, and God says, A, be very careful to make sure it's A. Just make sure it's God, number one. Make sure you've done a lot of prayer about it. Make sure you are sure about it. When you are sure and you know that it is a conviction, it is God, you better do it. Otherwise, you can be displaced from what God wanted you to do. Of course, there's also a timing involved. Am I preaching to someone? It always, every God deals with timing also. In his time. Not our time, but his time. Oh, am I saying something to somebody? So that's the difference between King Saul and King David. And it was at that point, God, the anointing had left Saul. That was it. And then the evil, then all the trouble started. This, it, was, it was this sin that caused Samuel, sorry, Saul, to lose the, the, the throne. And then after this, see, when God has left someone, then the person starts to do things they would never have done. He killed pastors. He killed the priests. His last night was spent at the witch's home, in the witch's house. That is because God had left him. Look at David the king. Let's look at Psalm 51, verse 10 to 12. When you, see, when, you, when you listen to David's response, it's different from Saul's response. That's why it's important. You and I, it should be easy for us to see that we could be wrong. It's possible I am wrong. It is possible that I have sinned. That's why there was a time when I was angry. I was angry about something which later on I realized that it was uh, lack of common sense on my part. I was angry about something. And my sister, as I was angry and saying, I don't care if this happened. I will not go to the I will not do this. I will not do this. Blah, blah, blah. Then my sister said, hey, could it be that you are working on forgiveness? I was a pastor then. I was a pastor. Not as if it was. I was an unbeliever. I was a pastor then. And I said to myself, mm, I, I paused. Thought about it. I said, ah, you could be right. I think you might be right. Another person will say, oh, but how? What do you mean? I have nothing in my heart. And the devil will use that as a weapon against the person, you and us with you. But by the grace of God, I didn't allow him. And I said, it's true. Then I started to pray about it. You, you and I must be quick to repent. Quick, quick, quick. Don't, 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 don't assume you are right. Rather, yes, we know that the law, you are innocent until proven guilty, even though many times they, you, you, they, they, they declare you guilty before they even try you. But 
let's take it that the law is you are innocent of proven guilty. In this case, you must say to yourself, is it possible I'm guilty before I say I'm innocent? Because we always, we as human beings like to justify ourselves. We as human beings like to, 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 to look good. You and I as human beings like to have a good appearance, a, a good image in front of people. Oh yes, I have my life put together. Yes, I'm a good person. Let's, there's no need for a mask. Zorro, the gay blade, the, the mask, Zorro. There's no need for that. But many times, if, 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 if it's, it's okay to say, look, yes, I'm wrong. I was talking to a relative earlier on, and I said I was going to do something, and then the person said, hey, could it have meant that you were, then he was saying that a wrong thing, like a simple thing. I said, oh, you're right, it's possible. This was just recently. Meaning that, uh, yeah. But it's nothing if I tell you, you'll be like, oh, but this thing is not a big deal. Yes, but it's a big deal to God because it's not anything wild. It's just something something I, I plan to, to, to do to make things. Yeah, I think that's enough. Amen. What do you think about what, 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 what I'm saying? Very, very important. So you and I must learn to be quick, quick, quick to repent. Don't assume you are right. Look at David, Psalm 51 verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. It's starting from verse 10 to 12, please. Create in me a clean heart. This is different from Saul. And renew a contrite spirit within me, all right? Spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We talked about that last week. Verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. There's a song like that. Whilst Saul, then as Samuel was angry with him and said all those things and was leaving, then, because this was in front of everyone, King David was done in front of people, Samuel's and Saul's was done in front of people. So then King Saul rushed to Samuel. He said, uh, holding his skirt, honor me in front of the people. Meaning that I'm the king. Don't let them see you, me, me, and you. You are. Don't let them see you waving your hands at me and walking away from me. Honor me in front of the people, and then he tore the robe by accident. Then the prophet Samuel said, "The kingdom has been rent from you, and it's going to be given to a man more honorable than you." That was it. Now look at David, creating me a clean heart, and renew a contrite spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. And renew a right, uh, 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 and, re and renew a right spirit within me. I'm surprised you're still on 13. As I'm reading verse 10 to 12, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Hallelujah! Am I preaching to somebody? Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Search me, while someone was saying, "I have not seen." Yeah, Saul. Saul was saying <laughs> the the SS. <laughs> Saul was thinking, Saul was saying, I have not sinned. I have not sinned against the Lord. I have not sinned. 
The Lord said, wipe out everyone, but I wiped out everything and I left the king. And the people took the sheep and oxen. Are you not king? Could you not say no sheep or oxen is living with us? They are all being burnt. Even if they are angry with you, are you not king? Will you not honor God that way? That's not what he did. But look at David. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the difference between David and King Saul. King David and King Saul. That's why David was a man more honorable and more worthy of the throne than King Saul. And you ask yourself, it was, I mean, was it such a big deal? Was it such a big deal? But later on, uh, it will come and bite them. Hallelujah. Was it such a big deal? Was it such a big deal? But to God it was. Was it such a big deal that Moses did not honor God in front of the people or sanctify him? Now, as for that one, it's when we get to heaven. There are many pastors with different theories, but what does the rock represent? Corinthians says, and they followed that rock that followed them. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, they drank from that rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Hallelujah. And God says, speak to the rock. But instead of speaking to the rock, you strike the rock. And God said, you did not sanctify me and honor me in front of the people. You will not come to the promised land. Could it be the link? Speak to the rock. But you strike the rock. And yet the rock is Christ. First Corinthians 10 4. And did all, let's start from uh, one. Moreover, brethren, now, uh, this is a spirit, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink for the drunk of that spiritual spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was christ then god says strike you know speak and he struck uh, struck the rock because in my mind i'm like oh god i mean you said speak and he he, he hits the the rock i mean is that enough to cause a man who did so well for you, who you spoke to mouth to mouth, not to enter the promised land? To whom much is given, much is required. For someone like Moses, who God will speak to mouth to mouth. Hmm. Maybe it's because he struck the rock and the rock is Christ. It's, it's, that's a, a, just an inter interesting theory. Hallelujah. But, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes... All God wants is simple repentance. Simple repentance. Quick repentance. Yes, we will all repent, but when? How long will it take to repent? It's better to do things quickly. It's better to do things quickly. And then, Isaiah chapter 57 verse 15 and then Psalm 51 verse 16 to 17 and then we conclude 
Let's use ESV for this. Isaiah 57, 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity. Now, there's no other who inhabits eternity. Inhabiting eternity means you are self-existent. And it's only one who is, and that's God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or God. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And also, so he dwells in the high and holy place. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Now the word contrite is crushed, broken, bruised, oppressed. So it means that a heart that is bruised, a heart that is crushed, a heart that is broken because of the sins in the world and because of their own frailties. A broken and a contrite heart, a humble heart, a repentant heart, that is a heart that is God is drawn to. That's why the Bible is saying that God dwells in the high and holy place. He also dwells with the person who is of a contrite, a broken, a crushed spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and the heart of the contrite or broken. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Look at it in NLT. For the holy, the, the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, the holy one says this, I live in that high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I refresh the humble and give new courage to those with repentant hearts. With those with what? Repentant hearts. I refresh the humble and give new courage to those with repentant hearts. No wonder King David, sorry, no wonder Moses. He was, the Bible calls him the meekest man upon the face of the whole earth. Of course, Moses wrote the book of, uh, uh, we know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now, two points about Deuteronomy. Be because that's where uh, 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 Moses was the meekest man upon the face of the earth. Now, uh, uh, if Moses wrote Deuteronomy, we know that Moses died in Deuteronomy also. So, most likely Joshua could have finished it for him, or he wrote about it in advance before it happened, because it was God who was doing it. Just like he wrote, uh, the Bible is written in spite of God, and uh, uh, it's written in uh, future prophetic things, if that makes sense. And finally, Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. Did you guys get that? Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17. Let's use NLT. You would not be pleased with sacrifices. So God will not be pleased with sacrifices or I would bring them. So David or, or the, the psalmist is saying that if it was sacrifices alone, you'd be pleased with how I brought it. If I bring you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. Verse 17. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit. 
a broken and repentant heart, oh God, you will not despise. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit. That, that is what touches God. Moses was, hey, I'm king, I'm, 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 I'm prince of Egypt, I'm going to, 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 let my, to, to, uh, to deliver my people, I'm going to be a deliverer, and by doing that, he killed someone. And when God had, he was in the wilderness, and God had worked on him, and he was broken, he was repentant, he was humble, then God said, now, I can send you. Then he said, who am I? But before, he was not even sent, and he said that, I'm the deliverer, and I'm going to kill someone, an Egyptian for a Jewish person. Then, who, 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 who am I that you should send me? Moses was saying, who am I? So, God dwells with people and accepts people who are broken in spirit. Broken in spirit is not depression. Or low self-esteem, no. Low self-esteem is not biblical and it goes against scripture. So we need to encourage ourselves and get hope through Romans 15.4. For all the things that were written at four time were written so that we through uh, 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 patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. What does it say? Romans 15.4. Such things were written, for whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Yes. So, we need hope. But, when you, when, when you think about it, what God is looking for, I mean, is a broken, a broken and a contrite spirit. Just like Moses, he was so broken, he said, I mean, who am I? You and I have to get to the point where we are not depressed. No. We don't have low self-esteem, but we are people who, who are confident in our uh, position in the Lord. We know who we are in Christ Jesus. We know that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We, who, hallelujah, we know according to Romans 5.17 that we are to reign in this life as kings through the one man, Jesus Christ. So we are not to be defeated down, no. We are to reign triumphant. We, we, we are to reign triumphant over sin and death and all the negatives through Jesus Christ. So no one should feel down. Rather, we must be broken. What does it mean to be broken? Yes, I'm confident in my relationship with God, but, oh God, I love you more because look at me. Look at sinful me. Look at who I am. You can see, oh God, that I'm undone. I can see that I'm not complete. I'm undone. I'm not perfect. I'm sinful. My thoughts are sinful. My actions are sinful. And yet you have made me righteous. I, I'm broken because of that. I, I'm broken and humble because it is I am Oh, hallelujah, I am what I am by the grace of God. That is why I am broken. That is why I am humble. That, that, that is why I have a contrite spirit. And, and yeah, that, that is what you and I should aim for. That is what you and I should aim for. We should aim for a, a broken, let's go back to that verse, Psalm 51 verse 17. That, that's what you and I should aim for. Because the Bible says God does not refuse such things. 
God does not refuse a broken spirit. You and I, the closer we are to God, Psalm 51, verse 16 and 17, the closer we are to God, the more humble we will be. The closer we are to God, the more broken and contrite and repentant we will be. So if you see people, I always watch, because, I mean, anytime I see someone very confident, yes, it's good to be confident, but confident, oh, as for me, I'm good, I'm a good person, I'm better than so many people, as for me, uh, I'm the, the best Christian in the church, I'm there. I say to myself that this person is far from God. I'll tell you one quick story. This is the last part of the message. Kenneth Hagin was praying for some people in the prayer line. And as he was praying, people who were in church, maybe not very serious, were getting healed. Serious Christians were getting healed. And there was a lady, one of the best Christians he knew in the church. Whilst he was praying for her, she was praying and he could hear her pray. And she said, oh God, please heal me. You know I'm the best Christian in this church. You know I pay my tithe. You know I give my offering. You know I'm always in church. So please heal me. She died with a condition. She lived a bit longer because it was a chronic condition, but she never got healed till she died. Because God doesn't heal because you are the best Christian in the church. But if we, we I mean, I, I'm not fit to look up. Oh God, I'm not worthy to look up. Have mercy upon me, a sinner. That person went up or went home more justified. You and I must get to a point where we are so confident in the Lord. For when I am weak, then I am strong, Apostle Paul said. For in my weakness, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your strength. No, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Apostle Paul said, I would rather glory or be boast rather in my infirmities. Because when I am weak, it is then I am strong. Because how can two strong people come together? When you are strong, God is God, God, there's little of God. But when you are weak, then God's strength can come. So that when the, 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 the victory comes, the glory will not go to you but to God. It will be very clear. But when you and I are strong, then there's no need for God. So you and I must be meek. The meek shall inherit the earth. Don't, that's what the Bible says, finally. Romans 12, 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. NLT. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. My time is up. Who oh, glory. And God's messenger, as God's messenger, I give each of you this warning. Be honest in your own estimation or in your, be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. Now, use uh, ESV for this. So, do, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. You see that ESV is similar to King James and NESV. But to think with sober judgment. NLT can easily get you on the, I mean, you see it's a bit different. Each according to the measure of faith that God had assigned. I repeat this again. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. And then you see how close you and I will be to God. God dwells in a high place with the people who have a broken, a contract, and a humble spirit. These are the things. Number one, how do you become close to God? By loving God and worshiping God. Number two, by learning how to wait upon the Lord. Number three, by serving him. And number four, by being quick to repent. And God will bless you. Hallelujah. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father God, we want to thank you for your word. We pray for contrite hearts, contrite and broken spirits, because it's very clear in your word. Your word says, O oh God, that those sacrifices you will not reject. Lord, we pray that you give us contrite spirits. May we not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but may we think soberly, according as you have allotted to every Christian the measure of faith. We pray that we will be lovers of God. May we love you, O oh God, with great love. May you increase our love for you. Show us how to love you. May we be worshippers of you, O oh God. Give us the grace to wait upon you. Cause us to desire to spend time in your presence. Lord, may we desire to work for you in your house. And O oh God, give us repentant hearts. May we be people who are quick to repent. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Whilst you are praying, if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you know in your heart that you are not born again, if you know in your heart that you are far away from God, if you know in your heart that if you die this instant, today, tomorrow, you are not sure whether you would go to heaven or hell, I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to happiness. He is the only way to fulfillment. But he requires that we repent of our sins. We know and we accept that we are sinners and we need his salvation. We must believe that he is God and that he died for our sins and God raised him from the dead. If we believe these things, God will save us. If you be want Jesus to save you, then repeat after me, shall we all? Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and his blood was shed for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, please come into my heart and come into my life. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for all my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From today, I belong to Jesus Christ. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. If you said this prayer for the first time or rededicated your life to Jesus, you are born again and your sins are forgiven. What you need to do next is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the best place to learn about Jesus Christ is a church. Look for a church and be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. Awesome. So it's now time for us to take our offering. Uh, but before then, I'll just say a good bye to our online viewers. God bless you. Thanks for joining. And I hope to see you again shortly. God bless you. And I hope that this week will be a blessed week. Next week and beyond will be blessed, favorable, and full of good fruits, good tidings, good blessings, favor, everything good. May that be your portion. May the hedge of the Lord Jesus Christ protect you. May the power of God be with you. And may the Holy Spirit comfort, strengthen, and help you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and shalom.